Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Humanly. My name is Daniel Reuters, and today I'm joined by Cole Clayton. Welcome along, Cole. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. Cole, you're a osteopath, and you've also been doing a lot of work into a very interesting area, something that I have a lot of interest in, actually, and that's to do with breath work. So I was wondering if you could firstly give us a little bit of background about what you do and and your journey and how you've ended up uh, at this point in time now teaching people about the importance of um, breathing and and how it can be used to impact their health beneficially. Yeah, fully. Um, It's a long and windy path, Daniel. Um, But like retrospectively, I would say this, I was a child who had what's called sleep disorder breathing. So that's like snoring, mouth mouth breathing, teeth grinding, um, that kind of thing as a as a as a kid, particularly like preteen and teenage. Um, so what that does is basically creates a, a chronic under oxygenation of tissue overnight. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much you sleep. Uh, you wake up feeling exhausted and go back to sleep, you wake up feeling exhausted. It's just a, a horrible, um, actually, it's a horrible way to be and you walk around with a brain fog and all this this thing. So it sort of really, um, it really led my journey. So my, dis, like, it's typical practitioner, but my, my dysfunction led my journey and originally it led it down into fine arts, uh, essentially as an escape, I think, from the world. So drawing and painting poetry that sort of thing but I did a degree in 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 visual arts major in painting and drawing um ended up being quite good um academically in art and also um you know as an artist but there was something else there and I didn't know quite what it was and it it is all sort of driven by this feeling of not feeling so good you know um and so it sort of led me into the fitness industry and exercise because I felt a bit better when I exercised, which is normal for that sort of thing. Um, and that led me into all sorts of things, corporate health, um, personal training. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Paul Check, who's a, uh, an interesting guy uh, out of the US. Yeah, yeah. Paul Check's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I did it like kind of got led into a lot of his stuff. Um, and then... I don't know, man. I kind of ended up in this, in this, in this slump, in this sort of partial burnout and frustration. Just going like, ah, nothing. I'm really trying is working, or I've kind of know a lot of stuff, but I just can't put it out into the world. You know, I can't. I can't. I couldn't find a vehicle for it to really be self satisfying, and I kind of gave up. And as happens in these scenarios. Like one last person client came to see me and he's like, oh, no, no, I really want to see a Czech practitioner because Mick Fanning and blah, 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 because uh, he was a surfer, this guy. Um, and uh, long story short, I referred him to a dentist for a, for a jaw problem, which I thought was contributing to his shoulder problem and promptly sort of forgot about it until this dentist rings me up. And he's like, he was, he's quite a character, this dentist, and he's like, I don't know how you knew that was a jaw primary problem, but I'm heavily into body typing and I'm really interested in meeting you and blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, I go over and meet this guy and he, he tells me, he says to me, you know what's the most important? I said, what's that? And he goes, airway, airway, like this. And I'm like, airway? He's like, yes, come and see me work and I'll show you what I mean. And so what he meant was, what he was doing was dentofacial orthopedics, growing growing the facial bones to create increase in oral cavity size, which means that you've got room to house the tongue, which means the tongue uh, is out of the airway and the lower jaws swing into a better position. So this was like a huge revelation to me to see what this guy was doing. It was quite extraordinary in many cases. Um, and then 
by way of kind of a, a various um, comedies of error and bits and pieces that happened, I said, hey, I could really do the breathing thing because in the Czech system, you know, breathing's the top of the totem pole. It's it's what Paul sort of said, um, the body will uh, compensate to preserve. So, you know, I could I could do that. And he said, yeah, perfect. So we went and did this small breathing course so I could kind of understand it at a deeper level. And, dude, I sat in that breathing course for three days and just went, whoa, that's me. That's me. That's me. That was me as a kid. That's me now. It's just like every dysfunction that the the, the trainer kind of put onto the PowerPoint, I was like, whoa, that's me. Um, so so that was a real turning point because I, I discovered that, what was really wrong with me i'd search for all these solutions nutrition emotional work you know psychology spirituality men's work um didgeridoo playing all these different things to try and find this key and boom there it was the thing that was knitting everything together was was breathing right and so i came back and i started working with children and they're breathing in the dental office because um I wanted to make, I realized like I really wanted to make a difference in these kids' lives so they didn't have to wait till they were in their early 30s like I did to find this stuff out. So that's really driven my journey, man, for the last 10 years. Um, and in doing that, I've, uh, you know, I did the five year um, uh, osteopathy degree as well to really go like, okay, I need to hang this in a, in a, in a profession as well. So I've been busy. Um, I've also in that time learnt. Um, orofacial myology, which I call face gym, which is um, craniofacial rehab type exercises for lip, face and tongue. And they work really beautifully for airway and breathing stuff as well. Uh, and, and my special interest is in cranial osteopathy, osteopathy in the cranial field, which is a real gentle, uh, subtle kind of healing modality within osteo. So that's the uh, that's the Cliff Notes version, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds like everything's actually tied in really nicely there for you, Cole. Like the path that you were on, everything has just seemed to come together and culminate at this point in time now where you've got all these amazing expertise to provide people with some really amazing information about breathing in its importance because it's something that so many people take for granted hey yeah that's it man it's um for me it's it's um you know in in cranial osteopathy we talk about fulcrums so you got fulcrum with your feet on the floor and your and your and ischial tuberosity is on the seat and there's other fulcrums within the body but the breath is a big one and 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 it's not just while you're treating. For me, it's not just while I'm treating. It's it's throughout life. So, um, what I've I've kind of made friends with that term breath work throughout. You know, because of it, um, I've kind of always shied away from that term. But lately, I'm like, yeah, it is. It is, like breath work. It, it's 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 part of that work of being human. To uh, it's, it's like saying. Uh, you know, physical activity, exercise, it, it's important to stretch and manipulate and push the lungs and, and breathing apparatus in different ways to, to train the thing, you know. It's not, you can't just do supercharged Wim Hof style breathing or just only super slow breathing. You know, you've got to, you've got to mix it up and, 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 and that's, but, but then you've got to go from a, uh, a place of, um, what's physiologic you know to start with you've got to go from a from a normal place to start with and what you're saying is yeah people i mean there's a real growing awareness of breathing but a lot of people aren't aware that oh their breathing pattern might not be ideal you know so we've got to retrain that first before we jump into the breath work as such yeah um and that's kind of i guess in a way is my little niche within the thing is like i'm not I'm not some sort of superstar. Can't do all these athletic feats, and I'm not some sort of real super, du- super duper deep meditator or something. But um, you know, that can you know some sort of alchemist or something. But I can I can take basic concepts and and help people understand them, so that we can have you know if everyone has that breathing as a fulcrum within and a, a really nice. Um, uh, physiologic and neutral breathing pattern to start with, you know, geez, the world would be a happier place, Daniel, <laughs> in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting when 
you say to someone, oh, you know, breathing's really important. They sort of look at you a bit <laughs> strange. Because I, I recommend this to many of my clients and I have a background in martial arts. So I trained in Kung Fu for 10 more years, maybe 15 years. Mm. And a big part of that was controlling your breath. And there was many different types of ways that you can use your breath to achieve certain different effects in the body. Um, and I've sort of taken that for granted. But when you talk to clients um, about breathing, they sort of look at you a bit strange. And it's sort of always perplexed me because it's this in the past it's been this fringe thing it seems to be coming into a little bit more acceptance now but it's always been considered this fringe type of thing and i've i've found that perplexing because breathing keeps us alive and we know that if we start to breathe in different ways or if our breathing's impaired somehow it can have a raft of different deleterious effects on our health so why do you think that breathing breath works become a little bit more accepted and we can start talking about it a little bit more openly and scientifically now than what we previously have been able to well i think you know from a science point of view there's a growing evidence base you know um so so that enables us as practitioners to to explore it further and to to do our own research and and come back to the literature as well and go like okay what's that saying about you know um mouth breathing what's it saying about the effects of breathing on emotion and that sort of stuff and those those papers are out there so i think there's definitely a growing body of evidence and then um to me it seems like there's a subset uh within society or community of people particularly younger people i find i don't know if that's your experience but younger people who are just really passionate about health and and um, fitness and not even so much fitness but wellness you know like full rounded wellness mental emotional physical and spiritual wellness um, and I love that man like and I think the the breathwork thing has has become part of that movement um, because I think people are realizing uh, that it just makes you feel good. It makes you feel charged. It makes you feel alive, you know, and engaged and focused. It helps you sleep better, which has a positive roll-on effect to feeling engaged and focused. You know, and there's so much, uh, I, I think there's other flip side is, you know, there's people walking around that are, that are the opposite of that. They're engaged in their iPhones and their um, brain fog and their, you know, sugar and their coffee, Um and and I think the the breathing allows like a really nice interface between you know full performance type focus exercise and 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 just initial gentle rehabilitation and movement towards being well you know um, I guess like coming back to Paul Check a little bit he has that at the top of his totem pole saying that you know many things. Um, are influenced in the body by breathing so so um, starting with it and getting that right can be a really beautiful introduction rather than you know starting to go off and get you know jump into a gym or you know go jogging or whatever to start with breathing can be a really gentle way of really improving your energy making you feel better sleep better and work better you know more focus It's something that we can control in the here and now, and it it's instant, right? So if someone comes in for treatment, they want some recommendations how to change their health for the better, the amazing thing about breath work is it doesn't it's not like nutrition where it's like, well, okay, well, now you need to go and throw all that stuff out of your pantry and you've got to go down the shop and you've got to choose the right food and then you've got to learn how to cook it and prepare it and then eat it and you've got to do it for weeks or months until you get a benefit. Mm. With breath work, you can literally get them to make that change in your clinic with you and they can start to get the benefits within minutes. I think that's one of the amazing benefits of it. Yeah, well, there's, there's two, two parts to that. You can get an instant state change um, by changing breathing. 
and then if you if you input that uh, enough throughout a day for a long enough time, and I say sixty days to change a brain habit. I don't know if you've got better data, but I usually go eight weeks, so that's seven, eight to fifty-six. That's close enough for me. Um, so if you can have a practice that's beneficial for a 60-day window, you start to actually get changes in the, I think you get changes in the brainstem, you know, the, the, the respiratory controls, control centers in the brainstem. Um, and, and, and through that, you change your kind of minute to minute or what I call the longer game breathing, yeah? So, so you, can, you can use, that is one of the beautiful things about breathing because also all these retrainings are under conscious control, right? So you use conscious control either instantly or, or, or over time with repetition over time to change your long game. So you can change your short game, your long game. Um, and, 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 and if you really understand the principles of, of breathing retraining and what various types of breath uh, practices are doing, you know which one to use and when. Yeah. So yeah, you can get. I use breathing in treatment a lot. I use um actually use predominantly uh, a, a, an inhale actually, um, but I'll, I'll I'll definitely work with uh, the mecha- respiratory mechanics as well. But I specifically use it um, to create a fulcrum in the body too to get release. Mm. So yeah, instant. You can do re- breathing retraining with people. You can use. I mean, my favorite modality for breathing retraining is to use exercise. I um, I I love using uh, nose breathing and lower lower lung breathing, rib cage breathing, diaphragm breathing, coupled with exercise. I think that's the most effective way to do it. Um, you can get instant change, which I've measured with um, you know, capnometers devices that will measure uh, physiology and but also over the long term you can get these incredible um, benefits i've seen kids and even and adults too just get incredible health benefits long term so let's take it right back to the start where it all goes either right or it goes wrong and that's childhood yeah so why is it that humans can't seem to breathe properly i guess every other living being on this or living animal or creature on this earth doesn't really need to think about it they just do it Mm. and it works perfectly for them but humans seem to always stuff up everything they try and and do and um, they can't even breathe properly so what makes it go so wrong from childhood are there um, different experiences or traumas or behaviors or things that can influence the way a child breathes. How, how does it all start? Oh yeah, man. That's a <laughs> you, you ask the uh, the big questions, don't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, humans get in the way of themselves because we've got this thing of a conscious choice, right? <laughs> um, and so that 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 starts for for a for a for a new for a, how am I saying this for a person. Um, who's not yet born, <laughs> it starts at conception with the parents, right? Um, right? Yeah, so as you, I mean, you know that, like the health of the parents. You know, someone once said they, they breed uh, parrots or something, right? And they're like, you know, before you breed a parrot, you have to put them on this special diet and you have to do this and this to get the health of the bird, like really, really good. Um, and then and then for both parents and then you put them in the cage and you create this, but, you know, like they're going to these extraordinary lengths to, to, to mate these two parrots <laughs> in terms of, you know, building their health up and building up their um their 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 bodies so that they were really able to reproduce the most beautiful parrot possible you know wouldn't that be a good idea <laughs> instead of like oh let's make a baby yeah fucking yeah let's yep conscious conception like yes let's start a family yes let's let's get rid of the tv first let's improve our diet let's make sure we're well hydrated let's make sure that you know both parents are nice and fit you know um and strong and healthy and move well because because actually you know it's been shown that that's you know if the if the let's say um let's say it's a father and son. If the father is strong and physically active, the son will be strong and physically active. 
you know. If the mother plays music, um, the, the child will be more likely to play music. You know, this whole, um, it's kind of a bit quantum and mysterious, but um, the way that whole epigenetic process works starts before conception, right? So we're going wrong there, I think. Then, then you've got, but then you've got, um, you know, embryological development as well, and something's amiss with this, Daniel. Like because what we're seeing um, these days, people that work in that sort of dental or facial myology field who are into this stuff, um, a lot of them are saying. I mean, they see a skewed population as well of people who have problems, but a lot of the even young babies, like babies are being born with super high palates, um, depend on which side of the fence you, you sit on, but there's an increased potential, potentially an increased prevalence of tongue tie. Um, there's increased prevalence of breathing disorders in very young children. You know, so something's going on embryologically, and there's a there's a process. Uh, there's a an absolute genius of a man called uh, Professor Brian Freeman, who um, is an anatomist, but he's got a special interest in embryology. Um, and I had I asked, actually asked him why this is happening, um, and basically there's a relationship between brain growth and heart growth and he thinks there's something that's interfering with that so the brain's pulling up basically too high and creating a um a, a high arch palate and things like this so that's really interesting wow yeah yeah um we can only speculate as to the the cause of that um and you know, speculate away <laughs> could it be could it be light you know could it be too much artificial light over the generations you know jack cruise type stuff or could it be wi-fi frequencies all that sort of thing like um could it be diet could it be a whole combination of this stuff probably probably a combination so there's 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 and also like the again come back to the parents and the way the parents are with each other their relationship uh their stress levels that actually has a, a lot to do with the, the growth and development of the baby as well um and and their, and their respiratory patterns start with implantation so the first the first sort of um uh ebb and flow in and out movement is is the um the, the collection of cells implanting into the uterine wall and then starting to starting to basically suck yeah so to draw nutrient out of the out of the um, wall of the uterus so so there's our first you know respiratory motion which is pretty amazing mm. really so come back to you know how the mother is how the father is then fast forward to the first breath and birth itself okay so birth itself has become a medicalized kind of um, almost like emergency situation. Um, and my experience, so a beloved partner who's a very strong woman and my experience of birth, um, uh, watching her has been like nothing but full empowerment of the feminine, you know. So um, she she's had, we've had three kids together. Two of those were born at home. The other one could have been born at home. Um, but there was absolutely no medicalization of those births there was no pain relief there was you know um there was there was definitely a lot of um you know work on her part um and 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 she you know goes into an incredible um zone when she's when she's birthing um but that birth process and the interventions of it. And of course, of course, of course, sometimes the interventions are necessary to preserve life, right? I'm not saying that, that everyone should be having home births. There's risky, there's risks to, to birth and pregnancy. Um, but the birth process and how that, how that um, uh, flows is important to the first breath. Right, whether it's cesarean or, or vaginal delivery is important to the first breath, and it's important to the vectors and the compressions that go through the skull. Um, so that that first breath where the lungs inflate is is a critical moment. Right, um, so we want a really big gusty cry and a big big strong first breath. Yeah, and so that's going to really inflate the lungs because it's really pressure right that drives respiration it's the difference between the air pressure and the pressure in our lungs that drives it it's not just the contraction of muscles they're sort of secondary to assist this whole um uh, 
pressure differential. That's um, that's stuff from Brian Freeman. Um, so yeah, then 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 what's the baby meant to do? It's meant to breastfeed, okay? And as that breastfeeding relationship develops, so too does the strength of the tongue and the and the and the vacuum um, that causes the milk to to come out of the breast. Okay, so the the feeding modality. So when when some people have to switch to bottle feeding, and that's that's fine and understandable. Um, but but um, if you can and if you can persevere with it, breastfeeding is super important. So there's that whole breathe, suck, swallow thing. Um, but 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 it promotes palatal development. It promotes tongue position. It promotes tongue strength. Um, it's super beneficial to the baby, and it also is a bonding thing with the mother and the baby. Um, and then and then there's a there's a massive thing, man. That that uh, I've done a lot of investigation on in the literature, which is pacifiers. Um, they don't call them dummies for for no reason. Mm. If if you if you can absolutely avoid the pacifier, avoid the pacifier. Okay, um, they they're really necessary for like premies, um, and they can have a, a beneficial um, effect on seeds prevention and stuff in young babies. But uh, the research that I've read and I've read quite a lot, um, I did like a quite a big literature review on it. Um, after six months, they they start to become, um, you know non certainly non-serving to uh, palatal and facial development and breathing um and also to um the breastfeeding relationship they actually can interfere with that um and they can create habits not uh, like habits in the future as well like um there was one paper there where um, they said, particularly boys that suck dummies were more likely to smoke and be obese in the future. Isn't that interesting? Is that right? Yeah. But they also completely screw with the me- mechanics of facial growth. Okay. There's a plethora of papers that will show that you that um, pacifier use and malocclusion are well and truly linked um, because the, the mechanics of sucking for that long are just inverse to the mechanics of facial growth right and then you got soft food so like just for eating a kid mush and them not chewing so my friend dr mary burke a chiropractor that runs um a business called munchy um her her biggest thing is chewing chew 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 like her dad was a dentist invented this device and it's a chewing device so um it's it's not it's not a new thing. Chewing actually, and good, robust, solid chewing. Um, for you know, grandma was right. Chew your food properly and chew it slowly. That that's actually the key component to driving facial growth. And so, what have we got now? We've got food that comes in a bloody packet. The, the like is basically a liquid, you know, and we're shoving that into toddlers' mouths and they're not, they don't have to chew a damn thing. So they're not, it's, that's like, that's like, you know, sitting a kid in a chair in front of a computer and or TV and expecting them to, to, to develop muscle, you know, and strength and vitality. It's not going to happen. Yeah. We've got to get, got to get kids back to food that they can chew on and that they can gnaw on. Yeah, and if you're not going to do that, well, then they've got to get a, a a device that will do it for them, and they've got to sit there and chew on this thing. Yeah, um, and then then there's then there's stresses like environmental stresses, um, uh, you know, um, how many kids? I don't know if you're exposed to kids these days, but I got a a, a text from a mate the other day, and he's like, dude, um. We need you to come and run breathing classes for for these kids. They're just full of anxiety. They're riddled with anxiety, and they're only kids, you know. I don't know if everyone's aware of that that's listening, but there's a huge problem in society at the moment with youth anxiety, um, and that's to do with pressure. It's to do with environment. I think it's to do with screen exposure. I think it's to do with too much blue light. TVs, computers, iPhones um, it should be banned for children. To be honest, like if you got a, if, I'm extreme, man. I haven't had a TV for 15 years, and I don't miss it. My children uh, grow up without a TV. They don't even know what one is. Um, they don't even know why you would be bothered watching one because there's so much other things to do. So um, those things, yeah, more. 
mm. more power to you, Cole. <laughs> I think that's amazing, and I, I think more people need to get rid of their TVs. And uh, didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just had a interesting experience um, yesterday. My fiance and I went down to a electronics store to pick up a, a cable, mm. a USB cable, and on the one of the big flat screen TVs I had in this electronics store, it said, um, looks just like real life. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> just look 30 centimeters or an inch away from that screen and you can see real life. That's it. Bro. And yeah, we're just in this completely um, backwards world now where people aren't doing the things that they should be doing as human beings. And I think this is well, everything that you're alluding to now is basically why we're in this mess because we're doing everything back to front yeah it's scary shit dude and that's why i love these um young people coming through that are embracing it you know like um i think i think we 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 need to we need to grab hold of that movement and nurture that movement um and, and you know you could maybe argue well you know they're on their phones too and instagram's part of that but but they're spreading cool stuff on instagram you know um i i think a lot of them are yeah so we can we can use those and yeah that's scary like just like real life <laughs> well, yeah it's like it's like well i have to watch the weather it's like no you don't just, <laughs> just look out the window you'll see the weather walk outside feel the wind on your face you know we've we've been doing that for centuries and people have been able to predict the weather by the humidity the way that that, that feels on your skin you know um <laughs> you don't you don't need to sit there and wait for the weather to come on to the tv so you know oh we better clean the gutters it's like you can sense that with your body and that's what we lose with all this stuff is we and this is this is the fundamental answer to the original question what we lose with poor diet um, poor, poor hydration, and all this bombardment of of electronic BS is that we lose our innate intelligence. Okay, and when that innate intelligence is operational and functional in your body, you don't you don't need breathing retraining. Your body will breathe well. It just will do it itself. Yeah, and what we have to do when we're working with kids and 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 with adults too is try and find out where that's gone wrong. You know. In a child, is it underdevelopment of the jaws? Is it is it tongue restriction? Is it um, proprioception of the lips, face, and tongue? Is it a breathing issue? Um, is it nutritional? Because there's a there's a real there's the gut lung axis which has to be looked at. Um, you can't really if you're not you can't really win with a gut problem if you don't have your breathing right, and vice versa. Um, so you kind of have to find out where these things are. Um, have gone wrong and see what you can do to correct them but once you get them back on course and the body's in, in innate intelligence takes over and the body's innate healing capacity you know breathing we don't we don't have to talk about breathing if we can get that back yeah our body will correct it itself yeah all we have to and worry about sorry all we have to worry about is is how we're going to train our breathing for even better performance <laughs> So you mentioned before you were asked by a friend of yours to help some young kids mm. or children to retrain their breathing. So how do you actually do that? How do you know that they're not breathing correctly? I guess there's a whole range of different assessment techniques there um, that you would need to go through to identify how they're not breathing correctly and then you'd probably give an individualized uh, approach to each child or is it there's sort of like a um a generalized advice that you could provide all of those children to to make a start on changing their breathing how do, how do you approach it how does it work yeah so with kids um my little formula is is education uh, plus understanding equals or information plus understanding equals empowered action right so if you can provide the child with information that is relevant to them and they understand they'll take the action so i could tell you right now to take a kid and get them to do 15 breathing squats in the morning and 15 at night with certain tempos and that will retrain their breathing so after three days 
let's see how you go, <laughs> right? Because the kid's not going to have buy-in, right? But if the kid understands that this is going to improve my skating and this is going to improve my sport or my art or my reading or whatever it is, and you show them exactly why, they'll they'll have buy-in, they'll do your exercises and they'll feel better and they'll be like, wow, <laughs> this is great. And they'll forget how they were before, you know? Um, from the assessment point of view, it depends how deep you want to go. I, I, I think um, there's real value in questionnaires. Um, there's some questionnaires you can give to parents um, and some you can do with the kids together. I actually ended up using my own one, so I don't. I kind of looked at all the different questionnaires and ended up um, sort of combining them into a, my own questionnaire and I give that a sort of scoring system. So that's my kind of back-of-the-envelope way of kind of assessing it. Then I'll look at things like breathing pattern, um, tongue position, floor of mouth, um, nose, whether the nose is blocked, whether it's whether they're, um, you know, flaring their nostrils, all this sort of stuff. Um, look at respiratory mechanics, diaphragm, upper upper chest, that sort of stuff. Um, I'll measure their CO2 levels and oxygenation and breathing rate and heart rate with the capnometer. Um, and then just I, I, I do definitely ask about birth history and that sort of stuff as well. Um, so that's really an assessment and 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 kind of gives me an idea of what's going on in their symptom profile and what might be happening with the mouth um and with the with the breathing itself um and from there yes it's so what i'm thinking about with my friend that rang me before he runs a sort of a a, a, a skating um center so that will be a group-based thing, I hope. Um, so it's quite powerful when you can get five, ten kids in a room and get them engaged in breathing. So um, it takes effort, definitely. Uh, it takes pre- I bet. yeah preparation. But but I've had <laughs> I've had one go- one kid. Uh, I remember running one in Melbourne, and uh, it was a three-day thing. So we do two hours every morning, and it's a school holidays thing. And this kid on the first day, he's just kind of got his mouth hanging open. He's looking up at me with his arms crossed like, what in the hell am I doing here and who the hell are you? And by day three, he was like into it. I'm just like, I can't even remember his name now, but I was like, boom, you've got your mouth shut. Yeah, he's like, are you ready for points? Yeah, I'm ready for points. You got your mouth shut. Yeah, my tongue's in position. Boom. He wakes up on the fourth day. You know what? He, he had a tantrum <laughs> and his mum's like, what are you having a tantrum about? And he's like, the breathing course is not on today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he wanted to come wow. back. Yeah, I took that wow. as a compliment. <laughs> so like, it does have a profound effect and I've even noticed that for myself over the last probably six months religiously, I've been doing a lot of breath work mm. and I can't not start my day without it now. It's just become a part of, of my daily routine and if I miss it, I really notice it so yeah i can imagine i can imagine it have a profound effect on young children um well one of the questions sorry man sorry go ahead i'll just make one comment on that and that's uh that i saw a lot of kids um change you know you're saying the profound effect and i've seen a lot of kids change their mindset and their concentration and their schoolwork to the point that like school teachers have said what what are you doing with this child like what's daniel doing his he's completely changed his work's completely changed um um and 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 then in 2016 there was a paper came out which was something titled like nasal breathing entrains the um, rhythms and oscillations of the human limbic system and modulates executive function. I think I've done an all right job on remembering that title. It's a long title, but what that paper did for me was kind of provide evidence, um, really solid evidence, because this was a very um, objective science that what I was really seeing um, was was real yeah so so that when you rehabilitate the nose and nasal breathing especially in children um, you really improve the function of their uh, cognition their concentration um, and ultimately of their you know academic performance as well Um, so and 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 therefore um, by by affecting the limbic system you know the um, 
what's the word, like that back into that uh, ability for the body to heal itself and therefore when the body's in, a, in, a, in that state of self-healing, it's not, like, not as likely to experience anxiety in states like that. So what I would like to know, and I'm not sure if this is an easy question to answer, but what constitutes abnormal breathing and what constitutes normal breathing? Yeah. Well, that's an easy question to answer because my friend Rosalba Courtney, um, who's an osteo and also PhD in breathing, she she spent eight years answering that question, doing her PhD, um, and and I like what she came up with <clears throat> that basically functional breathing is appropriate, responsive, and adaptable. Okay, so dysfunctional breathing is one or more of those things being aberrant and that's a really neat sort of nutshell way of looking at it and going yeah okay so you know isn't an appropriate modality for a child to be sitting in in a, in a classroom trying to concentrate with their tongue in the floor of their mouth and their mouth open you know no that's not that's not an appropriate mode of breathing when you're trying to concentrate and take in information and sit still Okay. Um, therefore, you know, is there is there um, breathing responsive um, and adaptable? Yeah. So when we when we change that environment, when we shut the mouth and bring the tongue up, will they respond to that? Can we measure it? Um, and can we train that over a period of time? Yeah. So so that's a really sort of neat way of looking at and understanding what functional and dysfunctional is um how does that present many many different and varied ways because the breathing control and the way that um, breathing is regulated is complex i think anyway and it and it's there's a numerous compensations that occur in order to prevent um you know uh incompatibility with life yeah like as you said right at the start if, you, if you're going to pick one system uh to preserve life it's going to be breathing yeah so we're going to have multi-layered and multifaceted uh levels of compensation to to keep the breathing functional and keep well functional or keep it keep it keep it um keep breathing basically um and 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 actually a lot of these compensations when we might look at them and go well that that person's mouth breathing and that's causing this this and this well a lot of that stuff is actually functional yeah because the body's doing that to to maintain breath and maintain breathing so it's functional for that person and and a, and a and a nice way to look at it again, come back to that point that we kind of touched on before, which is restoring the innate intelligence. Yeah. So so getting the person to do it do a number from the inside out. This is why breathing's important. This is how it works. You see what yours is like. How do, how does this feel for you? Wow, that feels that feels wow, that's so unusual. That feels so foreign. Yeah, that's it. But just try that for a few days and see how it feels, and then gradually that's going to become, you know, a, a normal for you. That's and then you come back a week later. Oh, you wouldn't believe it! Like this has changed and this has changed, um, and yeah, it feels amazing. Like I haven't felt this good in X, Y, and Z years, you know. So, um, yeah, did that answer the question? <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I mean, one thing that I think about how, the way that I breathe and the way that I was taught to breathe, particularly through all the years of martial arts training, was mm. to breathe in deeply through the nose and breathe in to fo and focus that breath into the an area called the Dantian or the energy center of the body, which is sort of um, down near around a point between the belly button and the um, pubic symphysis yep. and you're focusing the breath down into that area and you're filling up your um, lower abdomen rather than breathing into your more shallowly into your lungs and i've just done that for so long now it's just the, the natural way that i breathe but when i'm out and about and i'm always watching people i'm just looking at them like what's their posture like what's their skin like what's their you know 
disposition like? How are they breathing? Are they using all their accessory muscles, et cetera, et cetera? And I don't see many people breathing that way. Um, but I'm not sure if that's the right way to breathe. Is it more so in through the nose, out through the mouth, or should we be breathing through our mouth at any point in time? Uh, what's what's the best way to, to breathe? Mm. <laughs> the much debated topic, mouth versus nose breathing. Um, it, it depends on on the stimulus right so let's let's just say breathing at rest okay so breathing at rest would be through the nose for sure okay um i like i know that that um that mode of breathing that you're talking about for you personally and i think i think that has benefit when you're practicing and in you're you're uh, embodying the philosophy, um, and you're practicing that martial art. For the average person, I would go with something a little bit more easier, which is just 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 getting the breathing to um, be into the lower rib cage. Right. So most people lack rib cage mobility because of all this sitting and stress and all that sort of stuff so so being able just to put your hands a, a, around your lower rib cage take a breath in and seeing if those ribs move from medial to lateral so if those ribs move outways and if that's happening then that means the diaphragm either side of the diaphragm's got the space to descend and when it does it'll 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 push down on the viscera and that tummy will come forward a little bit okay so so that's your in breath just moving the ribs sideways, letting the diaphragm come down and letting it just displace the viscera a little bit. And then the out-breath will just be a relax and it will just recoil, okay? So that's the kind of theory of it. And then the way I sort of teach it is to say rather than thinking about that and muscling that out, just as you take an in-breath, just allow the, the lower chest and your abdomen just to soften and open, yeah? Soften and open is the word I use. So that becomes a cue of like, yeah, Okay, I'm just allowing this to soften and open, um, and and I'll build that into a practice. So, so soft, mobile um, rib cage, uh, functional diaphragm. A lot of people have um, a sort of a diaphragm that sits low and flat, and that's to do with stabilization of the spine, but it's also to do with uh, breathing pattern and and how we're not using those lower ribs and diaphragm as much as we could and we're using the upper respiratory muscles like scalenes to pull the top third of the lungs up to try and get that breath. And there's many factors that, that sort of play into that. Um, so getting people to have an awareness of that and then um, like from a manual therapy point of view, I use techniques to actually try and, and get that diaphragm to dome back up yeah so that on the out breath it's going all the way up which means on the in breath it can descend further and that's going to give people a much um, full range of motion of the diaphragm and a much fuller breath in itself so a lot of people have that they have that low flat diaphragm um, and it's just sort of essentially it overinflates the lungs and it means that you don't get a full in breath and a full out breath and, a, and full kind of um, use of the diaphragm but also proprioception of it so you'll find you know people you say okay breathe in and try and do this and this uh, you know move the ribs or whatever and they'll be like oh, I, I don't know how to do that I don't you know I can't figure it out um, and that's yeah, people lose a lot of that and then same with the with the mouth breathing so when the tongue's sitting low and the lips are sitting open they lose proprioception and feedback of the tongue and lip muscles so they can't you know it takes them a while to retrain it but definitely at rest you want to be breathing through your nose exclusively and same goes for sleep typically as well Cole I think we're just just scratching the surface <laughs> with all of this. I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a long time and there's just so much to know. And you're such a well-spoken um, gentleman and, you know, I could listen to what you have. No, seriously, I, I could listen to what you have to say for hours um, because I find it absolutely fascinating. I think that this is one of the fundamental tenets of health that is really overlooked um you know obviously by the general public but also 
for practitioners as well. I mean, I don't know very many practitioners who are recommending breath work to their clients. Um, but one thing I do know is the way that I got in contact with you as a, a friend of mine mentioned that you're actually doing a, um, a course. You're, you're running a, a course on teaching people how to breathe better. So this is something that I'm interested in. I'm sure many of the practitioners listening would also be very interested in finding out more about this course. So um, who's the course for? Is it something for practitioners? Would they get something out of this? Yeah, for sure. So the course is called Baseline Breathing. So Baseline Breathing is all about these fundamentals that we've just been talking about um, and why they're important and how to uh, recognize it and um, uh, understand it in yourself so that you can either create a program yourself or, um, you know, you can't sell what you don't own. You've got you've to maybe rehabilitate your own breathing first as well. So it's, it's designed to help people do that and then it's designed to give people the basics so that they can get what I, I just come back to all the time, which is that baseline. Okay, so once you've got your baseline, you know, you can go to your Kung Fu class and you can practice that that type of breathing. You can you can do uh, Qigong and practice like slow breathing and then you can go and do Wim Hof and do your ice baths and all that sort of stuff knowing that you're going to come back to your baseline, yeah? So your baseline, the baseline breathing program is about teaching people the fundamentals for physiologic um, normal breathing function. So that we can then go and explore all the benefits of breath work and 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 what that um, without stressing the system out. Okay, so it just basically goes through the mechanics, the physiology, the neurophysiology of breathing, trying to cut through the crap and just go straight to the the heart of the the essence of the um, as much as we know of the truth of of how these structures work and how these processes work and just sort of laying it out so there's no sort of mysticism, there's no wrong information because that is one of the things that kind of gives me the shits about some breathing modalities and breath work and stuff is that people are saying, oh, this is happening and that's happening and I'm sort of going, hang on a second, the way I learned it, that's not the case and I'll go back and have a look and go, yeah, no, I think – I think what you said there is not right, yeah, um, or it doesn't quite add up for me. Just leave it with me. So, so I, I, it sort of irks me a bit that there's lots of claims being made, and I just want to have this baseline, right? So this this is the fundamentals, and what the program involves is there's about uh, forty sort of short to medium videos uh, within that that kind of explain it within a framework and then it's a one-to-one sessions as well so um, what I'm doing is working with people to to, for, for, to, to apply it to how they want to um, use breathing and breath work within their profession or to themselves so there's a sort of generic component to it and then there's a, a customized component to it as well yeah that sounds amazing and I think it's something that a lot of practitioners would get benefit from. And, you know, if you would have asked me six months ago, well, yeah, probably at least six months ago, you know, how important breathing was and is it something that people should pay attention to, um, I would have given a very different answer <laughs> to what I give today hmm. because I've connected to, I don't know, something deeper inside me and and that only really came about or I only discovered that within myself from when I really started focusing on changing the way that I breathe and, and focusing my attention on that. Mm, you shifted your so, fulcrum, man. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? It's true. It's, it's profound. Yeah. It, it really is. We haven't gone into the quantum part of it yet, Dan, but there's a there's a – there's a part where you can use breathing to really start to change your, your conscious state. Um, and, and, and I'm not professing to be an expert or fully understand it, but it's, there's so much possibility there. It's amazing. And this is how you then start to reduce all of those, um, well, you ha- start to control your monkey brain, right? Because, 
we are constantly in this state of, of fight or flight or we've constantly got this little voice in our head talking to us all the time and it's just going on and on and on and on and on. Mm. And if you had someone that you lived with that was just going on and on and on and on, nonstop, 24-7, they'd literally drive you mental. But because it's this little voice in our head doing it, we think nothing of it. And what I've found in the time that I have been really focusing on my breath work is that my mind is that I'm in more peace. I've got less of this uh, you know, little voice inside my head talking away at me all the time and, and being critical or, you know, um, thinking about the future and all these things that may or may not happen. So there's all of these multifaceted beneficial effects to breathing. It's not just the fact that, you know, you can control your blood pressure or your heart rate or any of these things or, you know, stimulate your immune system or your detoxification processes. There's so much more to it. Yeah, just out of curiosity, what what space has opened up since you've lost a little bit of that monkey mind or the script as one of my friends calls it what what space has opened up for you well i'm at the point now look i never used to be a spiritual guy (laughs) and i was always very scientifically minded and i thought any of that esoteric stuff was all a bunch of mumbo jumbo and i think the breath work for me has played a massive part in allowing me to get connected to, I don't know, some might call it source, some might call it the universe, I don't know. But I feel more connected now and I feel more at peace that um, I can just surrender and let things be and I can manifest things with my mind and, and put those things into um, into motion and whatever I put into motion or um try to manifest in the, within the universe it will come true and it will happen and i mean this there's been crazy things happening to me <laughs> in the last six months with things that i've manifested um and i attribute a lot of that to being able to control my breathing and and quieten the mind that's right hey the uh old osteopaths W.G. Sutherland in particular, he's say intelligence with a capital I. <laughs> so such a big component of cranial osteopathy is to bring the body back to that self-healing mechanism and allow the intelligence with a capital I to take over. And I and I think the intelligence that 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 is our judgmental voice is the intelligence with a with a small I. <laughs> and when we when we can dampen that down and use it for what it what it's for then the then the intelligence with the capital i can come in and take over and and that creates like a a possibility that's beyond what we can think right oh for sure i mean this is where the health of the world could change very easily by just starting to do some of these simple um changes like breathing exercises or being a bit more mindful about the things that we do and you know the body does have this amazing capacity to heal itself and i actually believe that the body can heal itself of anything it just needs to be in the right state and we need to give it the right environment to do such a thing and we need to remove the things that are preventing it from achieving that and i would say that um, not breathing correctly is one of those things that is preventing the body from achieving its cap- capability or its maximum capability of healing from any condition. Hundred percent. That's that's why I created the baseline because it it enables that just that first initial fulcrum to be set. Yeah. So if you jump straight into you know holotrophic breath work, you can really spin yourself out. But if you've got um, that nice fulcrum and you've got that baseline established like you say where's the where's the end of the possibility you know it's one of the key components to to um, start to tap into that power and that wisdom Cole it's been fascinating speaking with you and I could literally uh, just 
speak with you for hours more about all of these topics. I've got still got so many more questions, but you know, I know that time is uh, time is short, um, and I just wanted to say to you if there's any sort of final thoughts or uh, things that you would like to say or, or leave the listeners with before we move into the final stages of the podcast today? Yeah, look, you know, um, it's what what drive, come back to my journey where we started, you know, what, what drives me is knowing what it's like to have dysfunctional breathing. And like you say, it's not something that presents itself as a sick child or a sick person per se, you know, like there's, there's a difference between being sick and being not sick. And the reason that breathing is kind of often overlooked is because breathing dysfunction and the, on the surface, you don't look sick. So you're classified as not sick. Okay. But if you've got an inkling and you've got a, an idea that someone or your child or someone you know um, may have an issue with their breathing, you know, based on stuff that you've, you've researched or listened to, hopefully this added to that sort of body of knowledge, but you, you, you kind of sense or oh, something's happening with that person, something could be wrong with their breathing, I should sort of say they should maybe look at getting help for that child or for, for themselves, then, then do it. You know, that's my, that's my parting message because, because um, you know, especially for kids, there's no reason to suffer all the way through um, adolescence and into adulthood. If we can change um, breathing and identify this and make it more and more mainstream so that everyone's starting to change, we're, we're, we're really doing an inside-out game then. You know, we're taking away the influences from the external, like what we talked about before, just like real life, <laughs> right? So you're taking away these external influences and you're bringing the body back um, into that intelligence and into that wisdom and into that rhythm. Yeah, and so the the systems start to really hook up and hum, and that that is so worth it. Yeah, so if you if you see someone or know someone, uh, or you can you can start to identify this stuff, then 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 start to direct people towards places and um, resources where they can get help. You know, actually, there's a book that just came out recently called Breathe by by James Nestor, who's a, a um, uh, what do you call it? A reporter. He's a journalist, um, but he just spent a ten-year journey, um, pretty much in parallel time frame with my ten-year journey into it. But he's written an absolutely brilliant book. So even just you know reading that book yourself and then giving it to somebody else, passing it around, um, it's a brilliantly written book. It's it's um, very very well written and really easy to read, and he explains complex things really simply. So so yeah, my parting message is 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 don't let don't let breathing dysfunction pass you by pick it up give someone the opportunity because you know just as you've changed in the last six months someone else can change in the next six months amazing message there cole and i really appreciate all your um wise words and the knowledge that you've shared with me today and and the audience today in regards to your baseline breathing course if people are interested in signing up to that uh, where do they sign up and when are you running your next course yep so you just go to my name coleclayton.com.au and i've got that set up as baseline at the moment and uh, the next one starts on uh, the 10th of january 2021 Uh, if it's past that date then there'll be a place you can contact me or the next dates would be up on the website. doesn't run too often. I don't run because I've got, you know, there's a one, one-to-one commitment for me. So it's not something that's open all year round. But, um, but check it out. Check out the website and, and go from there. That's fantastic. Cole, thank you once again for taking the time to come and speak with me. It's been a absolute pleasure and it'd be amazing to uh, touch base maybe again um, in a few months time I'd love to see how you're going with your course and uh, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit more about some of these things as I evolve in my journey as well with breathing as um, so much more I think I could probably learn from you 
Yeah, man. I'd love to. Same. It's really cool seeing what you're doing and, and the message you're putting out there. So keep up the good work, man, and keep that uh, keep that quantum field pumping. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Cole. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye, mate. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.